Hello and welcome to the podcast made to hopefully make you feel a little bit better about the world and a little bit more connected to the nonprofit world. We are going to be chatting with nonprofit leaders and founders, giving them a platform to share their stories and collaborate with others because we believe that when we join hands, we can stand that much taller and make the world better. So sit back, plug in, and let's create some good. This is Nonprofit Connect with me, Matt Barnes. Well, hello, and welcome to another episode of Nonprofit Connect. I'm Matt Barnes. And with me, as she sometimes is, is my assistant, Tiffany Pope. Hello, everybody. Are you excited to be here? I am excited. I feel like we haven't recorded in a little while. I know. Well, you and I, I've been recording stuff, but the intros here. So Nonprofit Connect, for those of you who are new and joining us, is a podcast that we've put together to help people who work in nonprofits or work with nonprofits or are just passionate about nonprofits to connect with each other and learn things from each other. That's it. That's wonderful. It is wonderful, isn't it? So wonderful. I feel like you're saying that almost sarcastically, but it actually is wonderful. And you're saying it sarcastically because it's something that I did or put together and you're just a sarcastic person with me. No, I'm not. That's really good. Mm -hmm. Love the cause. So a weekend ago, we had our quarterly maker's market here at Rogue Collective Mm -hmm. and it was pretty awesome. Yeah, it was so cool. There was so much stuff. My pockets are drained. Definitely, if you come, you need a lot of money. (laughs) Well, I mean, you know, you can come and look, too. But you should spend money because we're supporting local artists. So anyway, obviously, that's not the point of this podcast. But (laughs) if you're in the area, we do this quarterly in Newport Beach. And we'll be doing the next one on December 2nd. And you should come by and support local makers. They make really, really cool stuff. Yeah. And my kids are always there. And Violet somehow becomes the salesperson for all of the tables that she loves. Yep. Yeah. She just goes around and grabs people. You got to see this <laughs> and makes them buy stuff. Yeah. It's great. She's it's, awesome. It's great fun. Oh, yeah. Okay. So today on the podcast, getting to the point of why we're actually here. The cause. I'm excited about this. This person was a guest at our first live event. She was on the panel. Her name is Danielle Judd. She's a professional fundraiser and founder at a nonprofit called Farmhouse Rescue. And Farmhouse Rescue is here in Orange County, which you wouldn't think based on what they do and the name because they've got, I think it's like 33 acres wow. of farmland Wow. in Orange County. Wow. I didn't even know there were 33 acres of farmland <laughs> yeah, in Orange County. That is unheard of. <laughs> and it's amazing. For five years now, with her rescued animals that she has, they've been acting as ambassadors and therapists to volunteers and guests visiting the ranch. But also, more than that, what I think is so cool is they've got this whole ranch and every animal like has their own webcams. Wow. Yeah. And it's for kids that are going through like cancer treatments, like chemo. Yeah. And while they're getting their treatments, they can like zoom in or whatever with these animals and they do story times and then they can write to them and they do like pen pals with them and like the animals write back to them. Wow. I know. (laughs) That's Uh, awesome. It's kind of an amazing thing that she's done, especially again here in Orange County. But I love how creative of a thing this is. And her background was not in nonprofits or anything. She has an amazing story, but like she was doing stuff for HGTV and anyway. Interesting. You got to hear it because it's pretty cool. Danielle's awesome. So we'll be back right after this message with Danielle Judd from Farmhouse Rescue. We are brought to you by Rogue Creatives. 
I started Rogue Creatives in 2016 because I saw so many people doing amazing things, like life-changing work. And either they're spending all their time trying to figure out how to connect with people and get their story out there instead of doing what they love, what they got into it to do, and what they were good at, or they ignored all that and they just did what they loved, but not enough people knew about them or nobody knew about them, even worse. My background is in education and organizational leadership. When I was doing my master's in education, I learned that the best way to educate someone to connect their heads and their hearts is through story. In my organizational leadership program, I learned how to help an organization define its character, its voice, its values, its personality. So I took the best of those and I combined them to create the strategic storytelling framework that we use at Rogue Creatives to define an organization's character so that we could tell their story while freeing the organization up to do what they do best. We've helped dozens of nonprofits define their personalities and increase their reach as they bring new donors and volunteers into their stories. And as you well know, more donors means more money, means more people getting the help that they need. And that means the world's becoming a better place because of the character in your story. So get started today by visiting roguecreatives.com NPC. That's NPC for Nonprofit Connect. And schedule a free brand consultation and take our free online brand character quiz. That's roguecreatives.com slash NPC to begin defining your brand character today. There's no commitment or risk for you at all. And come on, don't you want to meet us? We're super fun, I promise. Rogue Creatives. Seriously, creative storytelling. Okay, enough from me. Back to me and our guest. I'm here with Danielle. Hi, Danielle. Hi. How you doing? Amazing. Yeah. Because I'm here and I don't have like poop on my boots, which is so nice. <laughs> I'm like, I like walked in and I'm like, any day that I don't have crap on my shoes is sure, a good that's day. A, that's a great I day. I mean, even when I do, it's okay. But like out in public, I'm like with the general public, which is really <laughs> yeah. nice. Well, we'll give some context for that oh, yeah, a little later. Fun, when we, right? Well, I like, mean, I, I've done an intro. So it'll, yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll have some context okay. for poop on boots. For me, it's poop on hands because I got babies. True. You know, so. That's, True. That's, I have that too, but there's no baby. It's, like, <laughs> <laughs> it's a whole other thing. All right. We always start with three random questions. I have a list of many random questions, and oh then I have gosh, a I'm randomizer so that picks three of them. Oh, my them. gosh. I'm so excited. I love ready? random questions. Yes. Okay. Question one, Daniel. Okay. What is your go-to karaoke song? Okay. First off, so people ask me, they say, is there anything you can't do? And my interns would say, yes, ask her to raise her eyebrows because of all the Botox I have, which I can't do. <laughs> and then my other is I can't sing. But but I get the sense but, that you would anyway. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, see. Benny and the Jets. Benny and the Jets. That's a great yeah. song. Yeah. Good one. Yeah, excellent, thank you. Excellent answer. Second question. What was the first concert you ever went to? Oh, my gosh. Okay, I grew up in the music world. My dad was an engineer and producer. Oh, cool. So, uh, gosh, I don't actually remember. I knew— Black Sabbath was at my baptism <laughs> when I was there. I don't I was always in the studio. So like I can't answer that question honestly. But the first concert that I paid for myself. Yeah, whatever. Oh my gosh, it was the offspring. Okay. Offspring, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Keep them separated. Yeah. <laughs> and no Pretty, doubt was there. Oh. Which nice. was incredible. It that's, was amazing. That's awesome. And finally, if you could have any superpower, what would it be? Invisibility, of course, because of course, yeah. I'm like, I'm an introvert extrovert. Like, I'm an extrovert by defense mechanism, and <laughs> I like, I figured if I put myself out there, people will ask less questions. Sure, but reality is, I just want to curl up in a dark hole, 
And so if I could be invisible, then it makes those awkward situations so much easier for me and then just randomly pop in. <laughs> well, all I'm going to do is ask questions today. So get ready. Oh, no, I'm ready. For okay. It. Good, I good, am. Good, good, good. I am. I love it. I love it because it gets me out of my comfort zone. Which I've is never so heard fun. anyone say I'm an extrovert as a defense mechanism, but that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I really like that. That's... It's like I have to ask them like and be out there for them. And sure. if you're so in their face in a way yeah. and, you know, happy and doing your thing. A lot of people ask less questions to you about you, yeah, and they're more like, "Oh, okay," and yeah. it's kind of a fun defense mechanism that yeah. I have. Oh, I get that. That's yeah, great. Now you all know it. Now I can't hide it. What no, am you I can't. thinking? And I feel like the superpower question is always either invisibility or flying. Right? Yeah. Those are the those are the two best obvious ones. Yeah, super strength or something would be great. But like, either I want to fly somewhere or I want to be invisible. Absolutely. And, and I just like my invisibility is not to like learn what people say. It's so people can't find me. <laughs> so it's mine would be to hide from my children occasionally, yeah. I think. So yeah, I get that. Yeah, there's nothing <laughs> special about my, you know, it's like psychologically, it's just so I can hide. Sure. Better. Sure. All right. So you have been leading Farmhouse Rescue, which you started mm-hmm. for five years? Yeah. Five. I believe so. Nice. I don't know. I try not to count. Yeah, counting's yeah, hard. It is. Math is Really so overrated. Remember when teachers told us you won't have a calculator everywhere you go? Oh, they're such We liars. showed them. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Seriously. But that's not where you started. Give us your origin story. How did you get to where you're at? Because okay, so you I'm, didn't take the, the typical direct duck. route to nonprofit work. Oh, my gosh, no. I'm such an odd duck. I started out in, like, the arts world. Mm -hmm. And so I was, like, a clothing designer. And I also started doing interior design. I was also a painter. And I had my art in art museums and on wine bottles. And I was kind of one of those people that would get really, really good at something and then be like, okay, now what? And I think it's my ADHD, OCD that kind of kicked in. Then I was like, oh, okay, I'm going to do interior design. So then I kind of worked my way up, got in with like HGTV stars and was the celebrity designer for them. And it was fun for me because I liked creating something and it was a great creative outlet, but it gave me a lot of view into like I saw a different world. I saw a darker world where when I was creating it, it was making people kind of feel bad Mm. about their own homes. And I never wanted that to be a thing. I didn't want people to be like, Oh, where I am is not good enough. Like I need to make it look like this. And that always like kind of made me like a lot of anxiety actually that like that was difficult for me to deal with. But I just kept thinking, you know, and a lot of them had kids that I worked with and I do it for the kids and I do holidays and home different things. And I still do Christmas trees for charities. So for like the Los Angeles temple, I do their Christmas trees and it's very artsy and really fun because that's my creative outlet. I still love doing it. And then I got really sick with bacterial meningitis and I was around seven months pregnant and I went into the hospital and was straight into the ICU. And I started like, then I got sepsis and pneumonia and organ failure. I delivered my son with severe pneumonia and it was such an up and down, like the emergency room didn't want you because you were pregnant and the labor and delivery didn't want you because you were sick. So I was in this weird limbo and it was really difficult. And like with my organs failing, you're dying and you reevaluate your life and your life choices. And you start to think like, was I a good person? What did I give back to this world? I was given this gift of life. Like, how did I make this world better? I'm going to die. I'm going to be in the ground. And I have not done my life like I needed to do. Like I Mm. I was given this gift. Like, what did I do? What am I leaving behind? I'm 
I'm just going to be dirt. Yes, I have my kids, but like, what did I do? And I started thinking, I'm like, well, I volunteered at my kid's school. And I'm like, but that was for your kid's school and for sure. your kid's education. Well, I brought meals to people that were sick. And then I was like, oh, but you signed up on a list that yeah. somebody else made. And I'm like, what did I actively do that wasn't selfish mm. in any way? And I couldn't think of a thing. And when you're dying and your organs are failing, I have to say that is that's the question that you ponder and there's nothing you can do. So I swore in that moment that if I made it through, I would dedicate my life to good. And I didn't know what that meant. Yeah, It was a promise that I made with God. And it's one of those things that like usually people promise to God something. Yeah. But I have like a strong Italian background. So like <laughs> I really keep my promises and yeah, I yeah. hold grudges. So it's just something that I do. So when I promised, I was like, okay, I promise if I make it through, I'm going to dedicate my life to good. I'm going to be a good person. And sure. I don't know what that looks like, but that's what I'm going to do. I promise. And I made it through, but I had some severe depression. Mm -hmm. I already have depression, and I, like, wanted to kill myself. I wanted to commit suicide, and I had this baby boy and a daughter and a son and that's older, and it was really difficult to go through because I had memory loss and seizures, mm. and I was a pianist. I mean, when I was a single mom with my son, I was a single mom for nine years, and I taught piano for nine years. And my mom, she went to Juilliard, so I was, like, pretty good, like classical pianist. Yeah. And I forgot how to read music. Oh, and wow. I didn't know who I was. I didn't even know if I'd be able to decorate again. I didn't know if I was that person anymore. I didn't remember people. I didn't remember my husband. And it was really depressing. And I was like, why am I even here? This is like no point I should be here. And my husband, bless his heart, he's amazing. He came up to me and he said, when were you happy? And I couldn't think. And I was like, what? And he's like, when do you remember a time that you were actually happy? And I'm like, I remember I liked horses when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. And he's like, all right, let's find you a horse, like someone with a horse. Like, yeah. you know, so I found someone with a horse and I went there and it's just this feeling that I had of just being okay again. And I was like, I need a horse. And he's like, oh, whoa, okay. <laughs> and so I said, but I got to rescue this horse because this is my good person moment. Sure. And so I rescued the horse and I thought, all right, this is it. I'm a good person. But then I realized if I could do this for me, I could do this for so many other people. So I started bringing people to come meet my horse and stuff like that. And then I'm like, we need a farm. And he's like, what the crap? Like, what is like going on? I'm like, I don't know, but this is what we need. And so he's just like total Noah's arcing it, just yeah. like going along with the ride. Like, yes, we're building an ark. And so <laughs> he's like, all right. So we get this farm and it sounds like, oh, yeah, we just got this farm. No, it was pretty incredible that we found this property, but. It was a mess. I mean, it was filled six shipping containers worth of Jeez. stuff. I cried several times going, was this the right decision? Yeah. And it's been a journey nonstop. And we started rescuing different animals or I started rescuing these animals and they came in and then I'd have adults with special needs come in and people with different mental health issues come in and take care of the farm animals. And yeah. it was healing them just like it healed me. And then I'm like, wait a second. How can I accelerate this? How can I help the people like me when I was in the hospital? And the only thing, like, I started crying at sandals commercials. I don't know if you've seen those, but they're, like, <laughs> frolicking on the beach so freaking happy and with no care in the world. And I'm like, why do they get to be healthy and why yeah. am I sick? And I started asking nurses, like, how do kids feel when they go through chemo or in hospitals? How do they feel about it? And they said they start blaming themselves. They start blaming, mm. you know, whether they're a good kid, whether they fought with their siblings. And 
I'm like, okay, I need to bring these farm animals to the hospital. Well, that's impossible because those hoops are just insane. So I'm like, what if I brought the kids to the farm and they had 24 access to the yeah. farm and I just virtually an animal hype cameras all over the farm and they'd be able to watch them. And of course, that was like a crazy idea that I did. We got a lot of feedback from it. The kids loved it. But then I'm like, you know what? But they're not making relationships. They need relationships. So I created this thing called the Smile Box. And the cameras are called Smile Cams. And in the Smile Box is like a farm plushie, toys, and everything in there has a purpose, fidget toys. So when they right when they sit down for chemo, they get these boxes. And it has a straw for their drink, a hat right away. It has some art projects and different toys that are all meant to, like in a sucker because they're not allowed to eat. But I knew what they're going through, so yeah. I wanted to give them everything in there that wasn't just kind of here's toys for just a minute and like a beach ball and everything had a purpose in it. And then it starts their pen pal journey with the animals. Yeah. And it's their first letter from Lovey, which is the horse that saved me. And it's a letter from her explaining her personality because in our plows, in our farm, we speak for our animals. Yeah. Like they all have voices sure. and personalities and bios. Of course. And so I just kind of put that to use and I created these letters that explain the animals and then they started and it has an envelope with some letterheads and those cool pens. I don't know if y'all remember the pen with the different colors, oh, the yeah. clicky one. Oh yeah, my kids love those. Yeah, me too. And so they write letters to the animals and of course the animals write back and they do a little art project with a little hoof or paint of a hoof or anything like that. And then they introduce a new animal on the farm and it just goes back and forth. And then we do end of life wishes where they come and do a day on the farm where it's dedicated to them and just healing. And it's just turned into this whole thing that I had no idea yeah. it was turning into. But I'm so grateful and exhausted. Yeah. First of all, it's amazing that you went through what you went through and survived that because a lot of people don't. But to be able to come out the other side of that and fulfill your promise that you made, <laughs> that, I mean, that I you made, to. right? It's always that, you know, the joke on TV, God, if you get me out of this, I'll do whatever you want. Oh, never mind. Exactly. <laughs> Did I say that? But to actually come out of that and to do that and to find ways to use your passions and what's worked and helped you to help others, especially at that stage in life, that you're not starting your career. You're not going like, okay, what do I want to do with my life at this from the first? But taking a successful career and going, yeah, I need to walk away from that to do this other thing that you have no experience in. No, no I have no. And I want everyone to know, like, you know, it sounds so simple to start a nonprofit. Like, oh, my no, gosh, no, yeah, not. I just started this nonprofit. No big deal. Or I hear people that will email me and say, when I retire, it's exactly what I want to do. And I'm like, dude, this is not what you do when you retire. OK, yeah. this is a startup. This is a business. Yeah. Like, if you want to help or make a difference in the world, Help a different nonprofit, someone that started it, something yeah. that you believe in. And if there's not a market for it, then start it. Yeah. But look for someone. If it's something that you see that's similar, help that person yeah. because they need your help. I need your help. Like we all need your help. And it's so interesting. And one of the biggest things that we said when we started is there's no ego in Farmhouse Rescue. Yeah. I, Never want it to be about me, and I never want my name like Danielle Judd is Farmhouse Rescue. I want it to be about the animals and Farmhouse Rescue and yeah. that I was just the psychopath that started it. <laughs> and that was a big thing, and a lot of people start these nonprofits. Majority of people that I've talked to do it for their own like kind of selfish needs in some ways where they're mm -hmm. like, I want to start a nonprofit just because – 
I think that's something that'd be fun. And I'm like, dude, it's not fun. No, it's a lot and of work. People go to school for this, you know, yeah, they yeah. like, I have had a crash course and I cannot even tell you how incredible this community is. Yeah. Like, I don't know why they accepted me or how they've accepted me, but they have. And all these different people in the field that just have boosted me up and just like, I understand what you're going through. Yeah. And let me help you here. Let me do that. The community is so incredible, but it is work. It's hustle. Of course it is. This is the most hustle I've ever hustled and the hardest thing I've ever done. Yeah, it sounds like it. I think obviously what you're doing is amazing and we could talk about that all day. But what I want to get to, because I think there's something you have to offer here for, oh, good. for this I audience. I always want something to offer. Yeah, right. <laughs> no, for this particular audience, though, that I don't get in here very often, which is you came to nonprofits later in life. I think sometimes the best thing that I have to offer in my job working with nonprofits is an outside perspective, coming in and learning from the outside, like, what do you do and how can we help communicate that to people like me from the outside? You have an outside perspective of coming in and running a nonprofit later in life. You're newer to this and you had to figure it all out and it wasn't something that you studied or whatever. I guess both for you with Farmhouse Rescue and then as you've interacted with other nonprofits, what are some of the big lessons just about nonprofits in general that maybe things that you didn't know that you're like, oh, man, like that's something that needs to be addressed or people need to be prepared for or whatever it might be? Gosh, there's so many different things. I mean, they're financially as well. I mean, even yeah. transparency. One of my biggest things is that like we are very transparent, especially about our financials, because I want people to see what we are doing, how mm -hmm. much we are giving. I mean, I go through our QuickBooks and I look at every single item and I see them and we can itemize them. But being someone that came from the outside and has worked every position, even building our website, I'm not a website developer. I hate the computer, Yeah. but I had to figure it out. Even on Figma, I had to create my own template yeah. for a website and figure out how to do that because I couldn't hire a website developer mm -hmm. and just learning the different levels of the nonprofit. And I think any CEO of their breed, like anyone that I think would be successful and respected has yeah. worked every single area of their field has started in the shipping department sure. and has worked their way through each field so that they can better regulate of what they're going through in the different positions. Sure. And I can honestly say that I have, I mean, I still feed and mm -hmm. in the morning and at night, all the animals. And when we're able to hire a feeder to take over that position, I understand the troubles and the time that it takes, but understanding how to utilize your money properly by being able to work every aspect to understand what that person is going through is one of my biggest revelations. And I hated it in the moment that sure. I had to build a website or I hated even getting publicity out there. But I understand like my amazing person, Helen, when I'm trying to get out there and I'm just like, you know, you're doing an incredible job. Like, wow, all the work that you put into this yeah. is just, I appreciate it. And I love it because I know what it takes sure. and it takes a piece of your soul. And I feel like some people that are working in the nonprofit, they lose sight of the purpose yeah. of the nonprofit. And I happen to have that special situation where the purpose is me living and giving back, but not a lot of people see that. Mm. And I think it's the enthusiasm of your leader to have that and to reiterate the purpose of why we're all here, what we're working for, and the excitement of your leader to make that a possibility. Like you need to be an excited integral part of your leadership to inspire others. There needs to be that passion there to inspire others or else yeah. it's going to be burnout. Yeah. And that's my biggest thing. And I've seen it a lot, even just working through the circuit of mm -hmm. some burnout. And 
I'm just like, their elevator pitch is very like, mmm. And you're yeah, just yeah, like, yeah. oh my gosh, I feel so good. And yeah. it's like, what are you doing? How are we making a difference? How can we make the world better? Like, what can we do? Yeah. Like, it's just that passion that I yeah. feel like is lost. And there's a difference between being tired sometimes. Dude, I'm freaking and, exhausted. Yeah. But like for me, I was telling somebody yesterday, you know, I'm meeting with new potential clients and doing things all the time. And this is you know, for-profit context, but it's kind of the same where I do what I do because I love it and I believe in it. And I believe it's effective and I love it. But I mean, like I probably went through our pitch deck with seven different people last week. And at some point you're like, I'm saying the exact same words. And there's part of me that because I'm tired, I have to keep up that level of energy. But it's not that hard because I really believe in the things I'm talking about and I'm excited about it. And I'm excited about the examples I'm giving and I'm excited about envisioning what we could be doing for this person to help them even reach more people and be more successful. And and I think it's that what you're saying is that same thing is finding what is the thing you're passionate about and make it about that because your journey was very much that, right? Like yeah. you didn't know exactly where it was going to land. It was like, okay, I have a horse. I still don't. Right. I still have no idea. I'm just super grateful that people are seeing, like, I, the response from people are like, I've never heard of this before. Right. And I'm like, well, neither have I. Right. And so they're like, this is an incredible idea. And I'm like, yeah. And it's also just like a lot of work. Sure. But it's making such a difference in these kids. I mean, when you get a letter in the mailbox and you see these drawings and you hear, like, I'm a patient in Chalk Hospital and talking to you, lovey, makes me feel so much better. We hang them up yeah. because that there inspires me. That's my why. That's exactly why I do it. And taking that moment. And if you're in a position in the nonprofit world and you're just kind of showing up to work and doing all that, you got to reevaluate. Yes, it's your work, but you got to reevaluate where you sure. are because there could be other people there that could be making a difference. And if you can't figure that out, then find a different job. And that's okay. Yeah, but well, we all maybe need to find thing, our why. I've worked several places where if you leave, they get angry at you. Or if I hire somebody from somewhere else, I'll get a call from them. How dare you steal this person from me or Dude. that kind of stuff. And for me, I'm like, if an employee tells me, hey, I'm going to go take this other job. I'm like, go. That's great. If that's what you want, I want somebody who wants to be in this exactly. position and is excited about that. And so I'm super happy for you. And I would rather have you do that because for you and for me, it's better for everybody. It's just figure out what it is that's going to feed you and give you what you need. And I think for you, you know, like going through, okay, I got a horse. What can I do with this? Okay, now it's this. Oh, I learned this. And now let's add that. I think the other thing that excites me because I've always had this philosophy of I love starting something that I know nothing about. And Yes, why? What is wrong with us? We're I sick people. But I love doing it where... I first start, I was working on a project once for a publishing company and they brought me in and I'd never done this before. And so the first thing they said was, okay, go research the way everybody else does this. And I said, no, like I'm here because I don't have that experience. Let me lay out what I think it should be from somebody who knows nothing about this. And then we can go look and see what's missing and we can learn and fill in those gaps. But that's what's going to make this unique. And it was. And even the way I've set up my businesses, I walk in, I go, okay, how do I think this should be? And it ends up being unique and it ends up being something I can be passionate about because it comes from that creative place and that place of who am I? That sounds a lot like what you've done here. What are what are the things as you set it up then? And I'm sure there's tons because, again, nonprofit was a new world for you. But what were some of the biggest learnings of like, OK, these things I didn't know about? I, oh, my gosh. I didn't account for those things. <laughs> you guys, so much. I mean, just everything. Everyone just thinks. 
they're just going to start this nonprofit and everyone's going to jump on board and mm-hmm. be happy for you. You said like you're just going like, to get donations yeah, and you know, grants. And, and, and I think that was my biggest misconception of doing this is mm-hmm. that like right when I put this out and I started it, I thought the support was going to be overwhelming. And no, people don't care. Like you're <laughs> ready. They're just like, you're like, oh my gosh, I started this incredible thing and blah, blah, blah. I would love you all to be a part of it. And it's like crickets. And then you're yeah. just like, then you start reaching out individually. Not saying everyone didn't care, but in the reality is I get it. I get why they're hesitant because you have to prove yourself. And so I think that was my biggest misconception is thinking that like it'd be like a restaurant owner, right? They think yeah. your doors are just going to be like breaking down the doors, coming yep. in and eating it. But reality is you need to have funds for a couple of years so that way you can establish that trust yeah. Yeah. and show what you're doing. So I honestly think it was the initial startup of realizing that, holy crap, I have to self-fund this for at least two years of nonstop, some days, 24-hour days. Like, I have to make this happen. I have to create these stories, these statistics, so people can see how we're making a difference and why their donation would matter. And at first, I was pissed. I was like— uh, nobody cares. It's, you know, yeah, I was just yeah. like, why can't people see that I'm doing a good thing and just be supportive <laughs> of it? Uh, like, I had this like entitlement of like, people should support me. I don't know why, but I just thought I knew what I was doing was good, but they didn't know that. And yeah. it was the realization of realizing that I have to prove myself to people. Mm-hmm. And that has to be done financially. That has to be done with being there and the stories that you create mm-hmm. and the lives that you change and your commitment. And I feel like being where we are, and I always say that anything will be successful, any business, I don't care how dumb it is, but any business that you create and you put in the time, and and I'm talking full-time work for three to four years, it'll be successful, but you can't quit. You can't go, oh, nobody likes it. Nobody's watching, but you give it four years of your time and your effort and your nonstop, you don't care If this ship is going down, you are going to make a difference that it's going to work and it'll work. And people need to understand that. And your biggest enemy is yourself, is your self-doubt. Yeah. And really with Farmhouse Rescue, we've invested so much personally that we didn't have. I mean, it would have been nice to know that you need to be rich to start a nonprofit. That would have been like super (laughs) helpful. Or no rich people who will support it. Yeah. Yeah. Or like have friends in the wealthy community that are like really giving. and. I mean, I would have liked to know that. I just thought this is going to be great and people are going to support it. But really, by ourselves, we've sunk at least like I think it was that we counted like 240K in donations just to keep it the stories afloat. And that's from us personally. So at the beginning, we were our highest donor. Yeah. And that level of commitment, I'd sometimes come into my husband and I'd be like, dude, I'm so done. I'm so tired. And he's like, you're in too deep. You're in too deep. And and it was that like, I know I'm tired, but I can't back down type of situation. So I think it was the financial instability of thinking and having this like warped view of people wanting to give. Yeah. And I think there's two pieces to that. One you hit on, which is building trust. Like it takes time. And they need that you need a relationship. That's the other thing. You have to partner and we have to stop thinking in nonprofit world that it's just donation. It's not a donation. It's a partnership. So when you are donating something, it's not transactional. But when you donate, I want to help you too, because you're helping me. I want to support you. So if you're not going to benefit, so let's say we have our gala coming up yeah. October 28th. That was like a shameless plug. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, but it's going to make sense in a second. And so 
are sponsorships that we are gearing towards. And we have Emily Simpson, who is incredible from the Real Housewife of Orange County. Yeah. And so I look at that situation and I go, okay, for our sponsorships, she's going to have her own following and there's going to be other celebrities there that are going to have following. What companies would benefit from her being there. Like, I don't just want to go to everybody and be like, hey, you want to be a sponsor when it's not going to benefit them in any way. Right. So realizing, like, how will this partnership, like, what will be a good marriage of you yeah. and I where you're giving to me, but I'm helping you too. Yeah. And this is good that you're doing, but it's also good publicity sure. for us. So sure. thinking of the nonprofit world as a business because it is. Yeah. And not just a one-time donation, but a partnership. Yeah. I think the other piece beyond the relationships and the building the trust, though, is – and this is nonprofit, for-profit, doesn't really matter, but it's the hardest thing for me sometimes to remember and for my team even is we think, oh, we've put it out there. Everybody knows about it. Or we ask and they seemed interested. They seemed positive. But the reality of the fact that there's so much competing for people's attention that even if somebody is like, oh, yeah, that sounds great. Then they move on with their day, like that follow up and having multiple touch points with people and like that intentionality. Because for me, whether I'm working with nonprofits or even in for profit, just doing sales stuff or whatever, I feel like, oh, I'm annoying them. Oh, I can't call. I've already talked to them once. I can't keep calling them. They'll call me if they make a decision, you know, that kind of thing. But realizing like most of the time people are just busy and they need those reminders and they need you to reach out and they need you to connect with them because your thing's new and it's not really on their brain and they may have heard of it, but it takes time to make an impression on people and to build alongside of the trust and the relationship, but just even the awareness of, I mean, that you're there. <laughs> statistically, I've looked at it in a business aspect where it takes seven times mm -hmm. for people to see something before they actually click on it, yeah. right? So yeah. they have to see that seven times. Now that doesn't mean seven posts. That means around 50 posts right. for them to actually view what you've put out seven times yeah. in that individual. So if you're thinking about like even Instagram or LinkedIn or anything that you're putting out marketing wise, or if you just stick out a really good commercial for something, that's one commercial. You need a lot more for people to actually go, huh, I'm going to look at that. Yeah. And we forget that. Yeah. And I think that's our own personal. And you got to stop that boundary of thinking that like, I always tell people, hey, if you don't want me reaching out to you, just tell me to shut up. It's fine. Yeah, I'm exactly. totally cool with it, but I want to give you this opportunity and I'm going to be there. I mean, you know, out of all people, we've emailed you like you have to be that yeah. person because and I think the thing that drives us is the passion. And I have this incredible person that helps me named Helen that when I have down days, she's really up. And when she has down days, I'm really up and I bounce it off of her. So it's your team. right? Yeah, yeah. It's like hey, so this person didn't write back. What do you think? They're like, oh, go on then. Just go ahead and send them an email. Yeah, yeah. why not? Well, yeah. it's like, wait till you get a response. Like, yeah. that's okay. Yeah. And what do you got to lose? You I know? mean, you're already losing already. It's already, <laughs> and that's what I say. It's already a no. You've got nothing right now. Yeah, it's so, already a no. They already, what's they the already worst? said no. Yeah. I mean, because they're not <laughs> responding. So what's the worst case they say? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, and it has several times people like, oh, thanks for reminding me. Actually, yes, I'm interested. Or they and just I'm like, want oh, you to go away. And then they, yeah, and then you know, that's fine and then too. they you, do something. You know. No, but sometimes they want you to go away and they just are like, okay, yeah, sure. Here. And yeah, then yeah. they feel good about it. And, you know, that's a win too. There's a win. And even if they email back and say, no, sorry, we're not interested in this moment. At least I got a connection. Yes. And that's a cool connection. And then you go, you know what? Totally understand. And let's hope for the future. And yeah. then we have that in. Yeah, that's great. 
as we are wrapping up, I feel like this has gone by so fast. Um, oh my gosh, we don't have any personal questions. <laughs> Do you want to answer some personal questions? I can ask my own personal <laughs> questions. That's like awkward. It's like schizophrenia at its finest right now. It's like... Talk to yourself for a bit. Oh my and, gosh, I uh, totally do. Some self-therapy right here. Right. I periodically watch the I'm Just Ken, and I'm waiting on YouTube till it actually fully comes out. I'm obsessed <laughs> with the... I mean, I went into the Barbie movie thinking that I was going to love... Bar- I fell in love with Ken. I don't know what happened. I just... I, I know, poor Ken. That's all I saw, and I wanted Mojo Dojo Casa House, and I felt so bad for Ken. And that's so far my favorite movie. It was and so good. Just so we all know, and Blades of Glory is also up oh, there. That's a fantastic one. Yeah, yeah. I think I told you this when I first met you, though, Catherine Hahn. Oh yeah. Yeah, you could be her double. I've heard that so many times. Not just look. You've got yeah. the look, but it's also the mannerisms right? and the I feel she like should come to our gala. She should. And Catherine you guys, Hahn, you, you should guys come to should our gala and we could like together. I could be your stunt double. <laughs> I could. I could just fill in for you. They'll be like, is that Catherine Hahn? There you go. Like, or if totally they ever is. make a movie about you. Oh my gosh, done. They Catherine get Catherine Hahn. Hahn to play you. Done. Done, right? I mean we just need her She's on hilarious. board. She's hilarious. I love like, her. That's so. it. It's no big deal. <laughs> All right. We always close up with a list of questions. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. What is the one thing that makes you most feel connected? I think it's the letters with the kids in the hospitals, like connected as in like connected to the world, connected. Uh, whatever it means to you. Right. I don't know. It's, it's a big like, question. Yeah, it's kind of like. <laughs> it's so funny. Some people are like, that is the best like, question. The internet. And other people I'm are like, like, what does that even mean? Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I think connected in the sense of with running this is the letters. Yeah. So. The letters with these kids opening that mailbox, and I can't even tell you, that feeling is like Christmas Day for me when I see that brightly colored envelope in yeah. there with like crayons on it. I'm just yeah. like, oh. so that's my connection, I and it. I feel like we're making a difference in that child's life, and it restarts my emotions again of why I started this. Yeah. Who in the world of nonprofits would you most like to take to lunch? Oh, okay. <laughs> Shoot. Oh, that's kind of a serious question. Oh, geez. <laughs> well, that is tough. I mean, she's dead, right? It's Yeah, Mother Teresa would have been oh, hard. Oh, there you go. Yeah, that, yeah. that would have been hard. But, like, I don't know. I mean, I love Tim from 1OC. Oh, yeah. Like, we haven't done lunch yet, Tim and Laval <laughs> from— There's so many people yeah. that— I'm down to go to lunch with anybody. Sure. Like, you want to go to lunch? Let's go to lunch. But anyone, actually. There's no one in particular, but absolutely anyone that would have time, and I'll take that time out with them. Yeah, that's awesome. I, it's whether they want to go to lunch with me is the question. I mean, honestly. Uh, who wouldn't? You're so entertaining. I don't know. It's a bit much sometimes. Uh, is there someone in the nonprofit community that you know that you think we should interview next? There's so many. Laval's incredible. So, I mean, he's South County Outreach, and he just came to the farm. And it's like our personalities, Tim from 10C, he connected us at an event, and he's like, you know what, Danielle? You would like this guy. And I'm like, really? And he's like, yeah, you guys kind of vibe together. And I'm like, okay. And I met him, and the second I met him, I was just like, dude, I like you. And then he came, and I was like, you know what? He is just making things happen. He's a creative. Yeah. He does. We have the same personality I tell you do where we have these incredible ideas and we go through with it and our board just goes, oh, no, it's like the worst <laughs> for them. But like it's going to make such a difference. Yeah. What aspect of your job brings you the most joy? 
I think it's seeing the people, like even the volunteers or seeing anyone that's come into a position to help to create their role and to succeed. Watching others succeed in what they're doing and surpass what they thought they were capable of doing is my greatest. Like, I love it. I love seeing people that have accomplished so much with what they're doing and they're actually worthy of doing this job or can do this job or other people do it better, but then they surpass this incredible milestone where you're like, you're actually pretty good at that, you know? And then they're just like, you know, I am. And I'm just like, (laughs) that is such a gratifying moment to me. We have like so many different things. And it's also a sad moment because I'm like, I don't want you to go. (laughs) And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's so toxic. And so you have to stop yourself. But like, it's just seeing them surpass what they think they were capable of doing is just, it's energizing to me. I love that. And that makes sense as well, because that's your story. Yes. You know? I think you jumped in and found out what you're capable of doing. And sometimes you just have to jump in and become a farmer. I mean, sometimes that's just it. Right. And who, yeah. who would have seen that coming? I mean, nobody saw me birthing a cow in a minute and 30 seconds. You know, that was pretty good with no chains. I get my hands dirty. Let's just be real. Like, and, and just a farm in Orange County. Like, oh, my gosh. I mean, just seriously, that alone. There's... What is wrong with me? Like, <laughs> Now, here's the thing is that when you start something, you have to be ready for it. Like I run an excavator. Like I just ran yeah. my excavator. I do my bobcat. I do everything. It's surprising people. I love when people underestimate me. Yeah. And that's like one of my favorite things is I've always been ever since I was little was always underestimated. And mm-hmm. People will underestimate what I'm capable of doing or what they think I can do. Yeah. And when I surprise them, it's always exciting yeah. to me. I'm just like, oh, you didn't know I can run an excavator? Oh, I'm just not weird. I love that. Yeah. I love so that. F- My daughters are like that. They're the just the cutest, I love being capable. Cutest little girls. And then they do something and you're like, I would never have thought this cute little girl would put a slug on her face because she just... Yeah. sees it and is falls in love with it and has to name it and wants it to be her new pet, you know? And, <laughs> and that's like, the that? ag world, right? When yeah. I came into farming, like you said, it's a male-dominated industry. 10% yeah. of farmlands are actually owned by women. And it's a sad thing, but it's also, I know the Department of Agriculture is really trying to work and add women and make it more of a thing, but it's always been like farm goes from father to son. And in the farm community, in the agricultural community, there's a lot of people on the marketing side and a lot of women in that, but not on farm, not working heavy equipment, not working the fields, not having their own farm, but on farm yeah. is like 10%. Like it's sad that that happens. But at the same time, it's just, I want women to see what I'm doing and girls to see what I'm doing and know that they're capable of far more than they ever thought. Yeah. And that this isn't just a Farmer John or Old McDonald. This is like Farmer Jane here, you yeah, know? that's amazing. We need to be more of a mentor to kids to know that they're capable of more than they think. And that's how power tools were. Like, you yeah. know, a lot of women were nervous of touching a power tool, so they made them pink, which I think is super cool. But like, <laughs> you know, it was just when I was growing up in the 80s, You didn't play with power tools. You played with dolls, and that was your thing. And the boys played with power tools, and that's how you were taught. And I just love that this generation is really adding in power tools and adding different things their kids can play with to show that there's no boundaries and you can be anybody that you want. And I kind of want to be a kid again, like that poster child, like – for Mother's Day, I get a new circular saw. Yeah. And like, I love it. It's like my power tools. Like if I ever got endorsements, it would be like DeWalt or anything like that or Tractor Supply or Carhartt would be my shining moment. Of course. Um, but yeah, it's just like, that's who I look at. Love it. 
Well, thank you so much for coming. Where can people find more information about Farmhouse Rescue? So our website is farmhouserescue.org. And to find out about our upcoming gala, it's farmhouserescueevents.org. Okay. Or they could see it on the website. But yeah, just go to farmhouserescue.org. It has all our information on there. And you can. we have Facebook. We have Instagram. We have X now, Thread. X, I don't know. Twitter, I, whatever. LMNOP, uh, th- yeah. QRS. And <laughs> we have all that stuff on there. Yeah. And, just, and then if people want to connect with you, if they have questions for you. Phone number's right on there. Okay. And I answer my own phone. So. Okay. Well, there you go. Or there will be someone that will answer it. And, and you're on LinkedIn and, oh, and yeah. all that stuff, too. I love LinkedIn. It's kind of great, I isn't feel, it? Yeah. I always thought, like, you know, at first I was like, oh, LinkedIn, that's where the smart business people go. Me too. And, and like, And now it's just like... I kind of enjoy people not posting about their kids on there. Like, that's so selfish not to see <laughs> well, all you get these, to, like— You get to compartmentalize yeah, a little bit. I'm like I get an adult Instagram on LinkedIn. Yeah. It's like full adult world on LinkedIn. It I'm is. like, oh, my gosh, I love this moment. <laughs> like, <laughs> Nice. Well, thanks so much for coming, and I'm just the best of luck with everything because I love everything that you're doing, and it's a really inspirational story. So thank, thank you. you. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Of course. All right. See you next time. Yes, my friends, we have come to the end of this amazing episode of Nonprofit Connect with Matt Barnes. You made it! Thank you so much for listening this far. And if you'd like to hear more from Nonprofit Connect, brought to you by Rogue Creatives, make sure to subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on so you don't miss out. We don't care which one. It doesn't really matter. Just just listen. Just subscribe. Just make it come right into your potholes every week so you can hear what's going on. Also, if you're interested in working with us or want to reach out and tell us how amazing we are, learn more, whatever it is, you can visit our website, npconnect.roguecreatives.com. Or just go to roguecreatives.com and you can find the rest. Okay, that's pretty much it. Okay. Bye-bye. Nonprofit Connect with Matt Barnes is hosted and executive produced by me, Matt Barnes, with an assist by my chaos coordinator, Tiffany Pope. Production is by our amazing friends over at Fame, the B2B podcast agency, along with Belinda Carter-Thompson and the team here at Rogue Creatives. Production lead is Luke Audi at Fame. Writing is by Sam Hollis at Fame and Matt Barnes and Taylor Bolanos from Rogue Creatives. Nemanja Koljaja of Fame is our audio editor, and Arslan Yakub from Fame is our video editor. Creative direction is by Corey Hill of Rogue. Our artwork is designed by Hope O'Kelly and Joshua Marino at Rogue and Ian Salas of Fame. Theme music is composed and performed by Jared Atherton of Chapters. Luke Audi of Fame does our booking and our guest relations. Huge thanks to our amazing guest for joining us for this episode and to all of you incredible listeners for tuning in. If you enjoyed the show, and I don't know why you wouldn't have, don't forget to help us spread some good by giving us a good review. Preferably, you know, five stars with lots of words saying how amazing we are on whatever platform you're listening on. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever it is. Also, tell your friends and subscribe so we can come straight into your potholes each and every time we have a new episode. For more information about Nonprofit Connect or to join us at a live event here in Orange County, California, visit our website, npconnect.roguecreatives.com. We'll catch you next time. This has been a Rogue Creatives production.